Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. A big welcome to our guest joining us all the way in Berlin, Dr. Johnston, who is a, a concurrently uh, uh, associate professor at the China Studies Center for the University of Sydney. Dr. Johnston, thank you very much for joining us. Hello, Patricia. Good evening. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that donkeys would be high in demand. Uh, it was a bit of a joke when the Northwest, uh, as a province, procured carts for donkeys until, you know, you get to travel into the Northwest and realize that the terrain really does not have much infrastructure in terms of roads. So donkeys are vital, but how vital are they in China? The donkey many, many decades ago played a similar role in China that it does in the rural Northwest and South Africa and in many places in rural Africa. Actually, if I can just interject, um, this research I'm doing, and I'm actually speaking as the senior researcher for China Africa at the South African Institute of International Affairs. So I have these dual roles. So actually this research is part of the South African International um, Institute of International Affairs research agenda. But um, back to the donkeys. So yes, yeah, so the, the donkey today in China has been transformed away from that traditional workhorse role and into what was once a very niche role in China but is now really the dominant role in China, which is that the gelatin from its hide or the collagen is removed from the donkey, which requires sadly ending its life and being used as an ingredient in a health product called Erjao. And this product has enjoyed massive increase in demand in the last 10 years, thanks to rising health standards and rising incomes in China. But that, of course, has enormous consequences for the donkey itself. Now, China seems to have um, almost depleted its supply of donkeys because of their huge demand for the donkey hide uh, and the collagen in it. But what is the collagen exactly used for? And what is the estimated value of the product that they create from the collagen? So the collagen is part of a compound which has been made for some 3,000 years in Shandong province and very traditionally from a particular mineral well. So this mineral well or this well was mineral spring was very rich in certain types of minerals and then mixed with the collagen properties of the donkey and a few other um, elements created a compound that was used to bring about blood vitality and limit some side effects of aging and support healthy pregnancies and and so on uh so these days and and back 3000 years ago it was an extremely elite and very rarely used product just used by emperors or even used by empresses mostly Today, of course, fortunately, Chinese people are on average much, much richer. Um, This just means that now this product made from donkey hides has gone from the emperor's palace to the main street, the high street. And um, 
to be honest, I can't tell you how much any individual donkey hide sells for. I think the prices vary. They vary by donkey. The black donkey is the most valuable um, and the price goes up and down. The whole industry overall, this urgeau, as it's called, like donkey glue, is um, in like in 2013, it was roughly 20 billion renminbi, which is about 3 billion, 3 and a bit, 3.2 billion US dollars. By 2020, it was more than 50 billion dollar industry, almost 55 billion, which is closer to 8 billion US dollars. So that's at least the scale of, of the industry. Um, some of the very, very prestigious products or the very, very luxury, expensive, high quality, the ones, the ones made literally from these traditional black donkeys in Shandong using that same mineral water, they can sell for a lot of money. To be honest, I can't give you the exact prices and I'm sure they fluctuate, but it's a it it can be quite a luxury good in China when it's the very highest quality. So it's a very valuable industry now. Now, it's a valuable industry. There's a lot of health benefits, it seems, from uh, this product that they are doing because it's safe to help with uh, blood cleansing and a lot of other things, right? Um, however, it's at the detriment of the donkey species uh, if there's such a huge demand for it. So what should be done, uh, Dr. Johnston? What should Africa be doing to protect its donkeys? Because there is also, from what I understand, and um, illegal trading of donkey hide. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an amazing and challenging nexus. So I actually am an economist and I've been studying China-Africa trade for perhaps 15 or more years and even 20 years. And this donkey market's the most challenging and kind of epochal of all China-Africa trade. I'm 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 a really big advocate of China-Africa economic relations on average. And then a few years ago when I was in Ethiopia, especially rural Ethiopia, I just heard a lot of negative comments about China and it came back to the donkey. And then I kept hearing, I heard a little bit about this in, in Kenya as well. And I thought, wow, this this donkey trade seems to be creating some bad will, you know, and there's there's a lot of promise for some China-Africa cooperation, especially in raising rural incomes, you know, maybe a bit less in South Africa to some extent, but certainly in, you know, Tanzania, Ethiopia, there's a, there's a big potential. And if there's a lot of bad will around the donkey trade, it might undermine that. And donkeys tend to only have two folds they're a little like humans uh or maybe like humans in 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 europe even they tend to have one or two folds in their lifetime and that's all so let's say two children or two folds and that's it and apparently it's quite tricky to encourage them to breed beyond that so i participated in what was called the Pan-African Donkey Conference, which was held in Dar es Salaam. This was part of the South African Institute of International Affairs project in December. 
and the consensus of those who participated, which wasn't every single country in Africa, but it did involve the African Union, it did involve the Tanzanian Prime Minister and many livestock and agricultural experts and ministers. And their fear was that every time they've tried to have a legal trade, the parallel illegal trade around it, you know, in terms of stealing donkeys from villages, smuggling donkeys, just killing them in the village, and even, you know, some countries will say, okay, you can have 10,000 hides per year or whatever. But then the actual traded amount owing to this demand in China is much, much larger. And those donkeys slaughtered above quota get slaughtered in very, very inhumane conditions. So it's as if setting quotas almost leads to an inhumane death of a donkey rather than a more humane one in a, an official slaughterhouse. So all attempts to have a limited legal trade seem to have come in tandem with this big illegal one that leads to theft, it leads to loss of a donkey in villages, which is bad for socioeconomic mobility. In some cases, it leads to women literally becoming the donkey again in terms of carrying everything themselves. So this conference, the conclusion of this conference was that there needed to be a full moratorium across the continent on the donkey export for, say, 10 years. Um, that was that the push for that 10 years came more from the agriculture experts and the donkey experts and the vet scientists who understand the donkey supply issues in, at the village level, you know, which I certainly don't. Um, and, you know, there, I was kind of drawing parallels of perhaps China and Africa can work together like they did with the illegal wildlife trade. You know, Chinese celebrities helped to reduce demand for some of those products that, you know, used rhino horns or elephant tusks. And that led to decreased trade in, in wildlife. Perhaps the same can happen with the donkey trade if there's some aspect of being able to reduce demand in China or somehow regulate the industry such that there's no donkey theft, there's no donkeys above quota. All of that's very difficult because there's so much money to be made. So that was why participants at this conference called for just a complete ban because they couldn't see a way to control the illicit trade. But, you know, maybe they thought if there's a pure ban, it might help that that just might be the only way but it does seem like it it really needs a good a good dialogue like just to say again i'm i'm a big fan of china africa trade i'm not you know it's not it's not about china it's really about managing the demand so that people in china and in africa both have access to donkeys now you know the one thing that i think we we miss and we forget is how valuable donkeys are to our communities in Africa because uh, donkeys are a mode of transportation. They they make life easier, in, especially in rural areas in Africa. Um, how can we ensure that this value is shown um, and, and the powers that be, mainly government, should start controlling um, the, the, the flow of uh, donkeys into China? 
See, this was the really the efforts of the participants and the organizers of the Pan-African Donkey Conference because they have that real focus and they have the kind of livestock and village level focus. And they were trying to work out collectively how can we communicate this importance? How can we optimize this trade so that China and Africa can both sustainably benefit or even do we need to just stop the trade? And to some extent, I was not sure from my own discussions in Beijing or with Chinese people involved in China-Africa if there was really a, a, a sufficient or an optimal understanding of that village-level impact and that the trade potentially could even do China's own interests in Africa, like it could bring adverse impact even to that because of this impact on women, exactly like sending women backwards. Girls have to leave school because without the donkey, there's all this extra work and, you know, you need one person to go to the to the well or to the market twice walking with all the goods, whereas the donkey can just go once on it, you know, once. Um, and so all sorts of labor implications, drudgery implications. And I, I'm just not sure that message and the depth of the implications has reached all the levels that it could reach in China. And perhaps even to Chinese people, like if there was that sense of, you know, this is what this is the ultimate implication, perhaps there would be a push towards some greater regulation and some greater control of that market so that there wasn't that adverse impact and the donkey itself, you know, didn't face an existential threat even. Dr. Johnston, thank you so very much for joining us. I really do hope that this conversation at least will uh, reach the ears of those who can make an impact and, uh, you know, regulate the, 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 the export of donkey hide from Africa. And uh, also um, uh, perhaps, you know, maybe uh, caution, you know, those within the Chinese market to, to use sparingly as much as there's benefit in this uh, collagen in donkey hide, but use it sparingly so that we are not facing a crisis with donkeys. Uh, thank you very much exactly. for joining us. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia.